Dear Public Health Insight listeners, my name is Will, and we hope that everyone is doing well today. Before we begin this week's episode, we wanted to share that Public Health Insight has recently partnered up with the Canadian Global Health Students and Young Professionals Summit. This is an annual volunteer-led event aimed at engaging, connecting, and inspiring young professionals and students interested in the field of global health. Given the challenges brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic, the planning committee has decided that this year's event will be held on a virtual platform and also will be available free of charge for all interested participants. Registration is now available and more information can be found at the link in the description. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the episode. Public health is a population-based field of science focused on preventing disease and promoting health. Every week, we will be engaging in interactive discussions and analyses of the latest public health issues affecting you and your communities all around the world. This is the Public Health Insight Podcast. My name is Gordon, your host for this podcast episode, and I'm here with LaShawn, Linda, and two, yep, that's right, two special guests who will be introduced later. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent any of the organizations we work for or are affiliated with. So I wanted to transition our discussion to talk a little bit about societal burden um, for caregivers, you know, the economic burden for caregivers and broader society as well, and some of the um, innovations um, in dementia care, such as um, the Memories app, which you'll be discussing in the kind of health tech space. So the costs associated with the worldwide burden of dementia is expected to um, exceed $2 trillion by the year 2030. Uh, this economic burden is expected to overwhelm the social and long-term uh, care as well as the healthcare capacity in both low-middle income and high-income countries. So picking up where we left off, um, Praja and Rishan will remain with us on this episode to discuss the burden on caregivers uh, as well as how technology can be used to alleviate those burdens and create an environment where people living with dementia are better able to maintain their independence. Mm -hmm. And in the words of James Arthur Baldwin, an American activist, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. So with that said, let's talk about the caregiver burden um, of dementia. So in Canada, um, I believe Memories uh, White Paper said that there is about 3.5 million Canadians that are considered primary caregivers for someone with dementia. Mm -hmm. And this stems from sort of this desire to keep, you know, I think uh, Rishan alluded to this, um, that, you know, to keep their families and friends at home because that's more of a cultural um, ideology and then the perceived obligation of the partner or the spouse. So let's spend some time to unpack how caregivers are affected in terms of the financial burden and the amount of time that they have to sp spend caring for their loved ones. Sure. Um, and I think, Praja, um, I'll let you get into um, some of the nitty gritty in terms of the things that we talk about on the company. But if everyone will allow me, I do have a little bit of an example that I'd like to share for y'all, as well as for the Please, listeners. Absolutely. Um, so mm -hmm. I'll ask everyone here to close their eyes and everyone listening, feel free to do this with me, but close your eyes. It's 10 years down the line and you're coming home from one of many stressful days that's become a commonplace in your life. You realize the time, quietly open the door. You've been out for at least 12 hours. You gently approach the kitchen and open the fridge door. Covered in saran wrap is a plate on the middle shelf at eye level with a note, eat at 1 p.m. Besides that, a second plate, eat at 7 p.m. Neither touched, neither consumed. As you approach your living room with heaviness beginning to set on you, you see the TV on. 
remote on the floor, and a puddle of yellow. Carpet stained, the odor is pungent. Today does not seem to have been a good day. You take off the TV and enter the hallway. Everyone's now on the same floor as you moved into a bungalow earlier this year for safety. First, you check on your daughter. The door is ajar, her light is on, but she's sound asleep. This is the first time you smiled all day. With a kiss on the forehead, you take off the light and close the door. But your father's door is wide open. Empty. You're too tired to panic, but you feel your heart racing. Praying for an easy solution, you approach the back of the house and feel a breeze. The patio door is open, and asleep on the chairs is your father in soiled pajamas. You feel relief, sadness, and pain all at once. The costs begin to pile up in your head. One, replace the carpet. Well, I'll need to work another shift. Two, I need to wake him, but he'll startle and wake up my daughter, perhaps. Three, he needs a bath, but I have to be at work in six hours. Do I have the energy to do this? It's all too much, but you realize it's not as much as what your father is living with. What he's living with is dementia. And as we mentioned earlier, every three seconds, someone in the world develops dementia. To put that in today's context, in the 20 seconds it took for you to wash your hands, six families received a diagnosis that changed their lives forever. Wow. Mm. I think that is a, an example that is a little serious, but I think it does bring to play some of the different burdens and experiences that caregivers are facing. Wow. That was, thanks for sharing. Thanks for, that was awesome. Thank you. So that, I mean, to pick up on the, yeah, I know you in the, um, you had referenced the changing of the carpet thing. And, um, you know, I think some people listening might think it's trivial, but I think what you're saying is that kind of captures the experience in a nutshell that they're being pulled all kinds of different ways, um, with the financial burden, uh, the emotional strain as well for, you know, oftentimes it's a loved one that you're seeing suffering. And while you recognize kind of that, um, you know, as a caregiver, you have a, an enormous burden. Um, you're empathetic toward the needs of your loved one and seeing them struggle themselves and not knowing, you know, when to eat, um, where they are at times. So I think that in a nutshell captured very well the um, experiences of a caregiver. So thanks for sharing that. No, absolutely. And I think um, one of the reasons why I started this company is uh, my personal experience being a caregiver for my grandfather that lives with dementia, but that is very much the beginning of what it is that we were trying to do. And we are still supporting Mm -hmm. um, families experiencing dementia. But over time and understanding these stats, hearing from caregivers and project can definitely speak to some of the interviews we've done. I've fallen in love with caregivers. I think they Mm -hmm. are the unsung heroes um, of our world. And Mm -hmm. uh, while dementia care and research is neglected, the support for these individuals is even more neglected and the, the unpaid care in terms of um, price that, or sorry, the cost that could be facing like healthcare systems is huge. The stress that they put onto themselves, um, the unknowingness of what's going to happen in the next day or the next day, whether their loved one is going to be able to make it, if they can make it to work themselves and be present um, dealing with all any other family and care responsibilities. I think it's a group that's already at risk of different um, disease associated morbidities because of the stress. And I think they, um, mm-hmm. everything that we can do to support them on their journey to support their family is what we should be doing is where I stand on that. What do you think, Rishan, is perhaps the biggest or most impactful way that we can support caregivers? I know you mentioned several, but if you could narrow it or scenario i'm thinking like financial or um perhaps just the lack of um support from the wider community like it's often an invisible task so where do you think resources could best be be allocated Mm. yeah 
I think um, there's two places where uh, I would say maximum benefit can be achieved, obviously. Um, and this is going to be one of the two is, is financial. Um, it's unrealistic to, um, to say that uh, enough like stimulus can be provided financially to support every mm-hmm. single caregiver and their needs. So I think mm-hmm. there needs to be other solutions. And there's two fold, sorry, two ways. One, I think, is through technology. Um, companies like Memories and other companies that are out there trying to support caregivers and relieving some of the task management burden from them. Anything to make their lives a bit easier to support their loved ones, that's something that technology should be leveraged for. And the other side is advocacy um, and uh, understanding that there's other people out there. I think what we've seen through conversation is that caregivers have had such diverse experiences where they have learned an anecdotal experience that may be beneficial to someone else or they just need a friend in the moment. They appreciate that what they're in is a tough situation. Um, and knowing that there's someone next door that's in a similarly tough situation can provide enough benefit to get through the day. Um, and I think companies like ours, for example, our approach is to empower caregivers by leveraging the network of caregivers we're trying to um, build and support and connecting them through technology is best case scenario. But uh, yeah, Praja, if you have any other thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. So I've conducted about over 15 interviews or conversations i've had over 15 conversations with various caregivers of various age groups Mm -hmm. race as well as just kind of life stage and it's unbelievable Mm -hmm. how diverse their experiences are so just a scenario that rashawn kind of gave you guys um i've listened to like 20 versions of that and i can't even imagine Mm -hmm. how it is to experience that on a daily basis or multiple times mm-hmm. a day. And one thing that I do want to bring up that I've heard from almost every one of them is, and I want to reiterate, is the fact that there's definitely a need for support um, when you come into this and when you become a caregiver officially with the diagnosis, there's not necessarily like a nice handbook or um, a course outline or even like, like any kind of guidance, like for example, if you get pregnant, your doctor provides you with like a what to do um, for those nine months, Mm -hmm. as well as post those nine months, whereas dementia patients and their caregivers don't necessarily receive that. And so because of that, because of the lack of research and the lack of resources that support that community that these people have been looking for, and only some have been successful. For example, these people that Mm -hmm. we found to interview, they actually, we, we found them through social media, whether it's through Instagram or Facebook. And that's because they themselves have gained the confidence to share their story. And so there's mm-hmm. an immense number of caregivers who aren't on social media and who do not connect or receive that social support um, that they would like to. And I think, obviously, I don't have the answer to how to solve that issue, but that's a huge, uh, huge, huge issue that isn't necessarily spoken about outside of the caregiver world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Praja, that's a great point. And, you know, even from my personal experience living with uh, my grandmother with dementia, it's it's really tough because, like you mentioned, there are no guides or there is no, like, there are some educational resources, but you know, how do people access them? And, you know, how do you take care of someone with dementia when you're not certain how to react when they maybe don't want to take a shower after not taking a shower for a couple of days, how to get them to eat after not eating um, for an extended period of time, you know, and like, you're, you're facing an individual who may, you know, typically have a a mood swing may be more aggressive or hostile towards you, understanding that they are suffering this disease. So it's really hard to kind of 
understand how to manage these situations. So I think a lot of work has to go into kind of giving the resources to people and understanding their perspective and experiences like you you guys at memories are doing so i think that's mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. just like any way that we can make their lives easier so things that they can control they, like or h- helping mm-hmm. them control certain aspects of their life for example like the reminders aspect that we have on our application um even communicating with the caregiver um between the caregiver and the care receiver is a big thing um for example if the care receiver is at home um, and the caregiver is out shopping, there is a method of communication between them. So kind of making their day-to-day lives a little bit easier is very, very helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, based on the, the research that's out there too, um, we can see that unpaid caregivers of you know seniors living with dementia, on the mental health perspective, they, they experience, um, you know, more distress than caregivers for seniors with other kind of chronic conditions. So um, there's a report apparently that um, one third um, of people who care for someone who, who is living with dementia um, often report symptoms of depression or other cognitive impairments. And they often need to be, be prescribed medications themselves to treat those conditions. So even from the health and mental health um, side of things, these caregivers are experiencing some negative health outcomes mm-hmm. as well. And a big thing is social isolation. And I know you guys talked about that in a previous episode, but that is mm-hmm. something that not only do the dementia patients have to go through, but the caregivers themselves experience that mm-hmm. due to the amount of time and effort that they put into their caregiving duties. And the idea that due to the stigma and the cultural barriers that are present, um, with dementia and caregiving, that's not something that people really like to talk about. And also it's not necessarily a positive conversation usually. And so right, it just kind right. of becomes something that they hold within themselves and kind of um, adds to their mental debate within um, themselves and their family. But it's definitely not talked about as much as it should be. Yeah. And we, and from reading the, the white paper, great job on the paper, by the way, it's a pretty, um, good read and uh it's i feel like it presents information that is easy to understand depending that no matter what type of a person reads it or their educational background so one of the concepts that i learned from reading that report is that something called a dual role strain um can you explain a little bit more about what what that means in the context of i guess caregivers yeah i mean i can touch on that and thank you um for the comments on the white paper i'd like to shout out every single person on the memories team who took the time to do the research to put that together um to really go deep into this topic and present something in an accessible way um Mm -hmm. but in terms of dual role strain i think that really comes down to uh, an individual providing care um for their loved one as well as still being a loved one it's quite an interesting dynamic where um I've heard some caregivers say that they've, in order to distance themselves from their parents in this situation, they start um, addressing them by their first name, for example. Mm. Um, being able to provide care for somebody or do some of the tasks that you need to do for an individual, um, that's right. your parent can be so um, stressful and it can lead to this like almost dissonant state where you really have trouble dealing with 
the task that you have to do. And in order to rationalize this, just separating that into, okay, this is an individual that's named Harry that I have to take care of. Um, and then mm. removing yourself from that situation. This is okay. This is my father now. Um, and I care about him. I'd love to connect and be there and support and managing these two roles um, on an everyday basis on a situation by situation side when perhaps you're taking care of somebody um, very intimately. And then you look into your, their eyes and you realize this is still my dad. Um, out there right. it can be incredibly taxing and that's what we're referring to right so it's almost like a compartmentalization of the interactions mm-hmm. i guess especially in the case too when if it's if, it, if it's a case of your parent and maybe they don't recognize you anymore you mm-hmm. probably would use the words mom or dad less because they would probably be confused so it's even more of a reason to want to you know compartmentalize or separate yourself mentally from the situation absolutely perfect and w- there's another interesting fact i wanted to touch on um in terms of dementia. So dementia is disproportionately um, affects women. About three quarters of the cases in Canada specifically are, are women for dementia. And I know, I think this is particularly interesting to me uh, because another study in the Canadian context also highlighted that about almost two thirds of caregivers were also female. So what we're seeing is females are disproportionately more likely to be diagnosed with dementia and they're also more likely to be the caregiver. So the caregiver burden essentially falls a lot of time on our, on our women. So I was wondering if, if there's anything specific we should be doing to address this reality. Um, I can talk a, a little bit about um, the caregiver side of things, um, I mm-hmm. think. And if anyone else has any context or hypotheses as to the um, <laughs> distribution of the disease in terms of that, um, stat, feel free to chime in. But I think ultimately a lot of this does come down to gender roles um, that have mm-hmm. been very much affirmed in society. Um, and I think when it comes to the burden of care, um, definitely there are situations where um, the, the female in the family um, may take the responsibility upon themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And it's extremely unfortunate, but I, I think it really does speak to the fact that um, women have built society. Um, and I think that ev- everything that we do have is because of uh, like a loving mother or somebody who's been there to provide care. And I think um, being able to handle all these different responsibilities, whether that's caring for a father, caring for a child, maintaining the household, ensuring that everyone's fed and other things are responsibilities that um, sort of uh, women do take on and continue to tack onto themselves um, because they do feel like, well, one, this is something that they've been doing for a long time and it's something that they're passionate about um, and they are absolutely fundamentally responsible for um, keeping uh, families together and supporting moving forward. Um, But I think figuring out ways to lessen that burden on the individual, which Mm -hmm. can involve using different people in the family, um, whether that's a spouse, whether that's a son um, or other people is definitely Mm -hmm. key to mitigating this. Um, And because of that, because of like just the, increased um, stress that these uh, females are taking in terms of caregiving, it does exacerbate the risk for other things, whether those are chronic diseases mm-hmm. or increased risk for depression or other things. So it's a, it's a very complicated relationship that's unfortunate um, and we should aim to change. Mm-hmm. And this is not only prevalent in dementia, there's a stat somewhere where it says that men who get a stroke are more likely to survive because they have their wife essentially to take care of them, whereas mm-hmm. women who have a stroke one are not likely to survive because they their husband could have passed away due to women just having a longer life expectancy but also the Mm -hmm. fact that men haven't taken up that role um statistically Mm -hmm. but yeah this is definitely just a definitely a global issue um that spans across dementia as well as other chronic illnesses 
Interesting. Wow, that's a great point. I did not know that. Um, okay, so I guess just to, to wind things down, and we'll we'll dedicate the last section of, of the um, this episode to talk specifically about memories. Um, but I just wanted to highlight, um, and I guess memories is related to this. Um, you know, the healthcare burden specifically um, for you know chronic diseases such as dementia um, is a very important issue that needs to be addressed. Um, we know that there's billions and maybe even trillions of dollars that go into um, caring for people um, with dementia who go through the healthcare system, and a lot of in in a lot of cases, um, a large number of you know people living with dementia occupy, you know I think Project touched on this earlier, occupy hospital beds due to a lack of other alternate uh, care facilities. Uh, maybe there's a wait list for long-term care homes, and families aren't able to get. Um, you know, more appropriate care for their loved ones, for, for, for people living with dementia. And um, I know when um, LaShawn and I were speaking about, you know, in a lot of cases, um, there's a long wait list for those long-term care facilities, which then feeds back into the healthcare system and creates an additional strain. Mm-hmm. So I think like one, I guess, solution would be to um, increase the caregiver bandwidth. So just try to keep mm-hmm. these people with dementia at home as much as possible mm-hmm. obviously um ensuring that the caregiver is able to manage that burden but in terms of reducing um long-term care home and assisted living as well as hospital um expenditure as well as just quality of life mm-hmm. um trying to keep them at home so thereby increasing the caregiver bandwidth is an essential or right. is a very plausible solution and that's something that memories is striving to do yeah and i think uh if you every year the um OLTCA, Ontario Long-Term Care Association, and I'm sure different provinces and different countries and states have very similar organizations. They pull out, uh, mm-hmm. sorry, they produce a report um, that talks about the current state of affairs, um, what they've been dealing with, the amount of bed space that they have, what's projected moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, the report really serves as a call to action that we're overburdened. These are the areas where we could be improved, whether that's tech, whether that's external partnerships or government support, um, and how can you help us get there is really what's happening. And I think understanding that, that uh, it's not just onto the long-term care homes be able to, to uh, mitigate the, the issues here. I think, yes, it's in, mm-hmm. ensuring that people are able to stay at home um, if they want um, and they, that they do have that option and enable, sorry, in order to do that, you do need to empower the caregivers. But I think it's also looking at different methods and models of care for these individuals. Um, mm-hmm. Traditionally, memory care facilities have been um, archaically labeled as being almost prison-like based on sort mm-hmm. of the strict regimen of what it is to you have to experience there, the drugs, the interactions between the healthcare providers and the individuals living with dementia. Not necessarily a fantastic living experience, and but also probably one of the only places for people to turn to if long-term care homes are full, if they don't have the physical capacity at home to be able to provide care for the loved ones. So I think um, something that came out of London and has been absolutely fantastic is the butterfly model of care. Um, there was a, a home in, in Peel region in Ontario that has employed this and it's had astoundingly mm-hmm. successful results. And ultimately what it comes down to is basically building a community um, within a, mm-hmm. a home, like a larger home structure for individuals living with memory impairment and uh, Alzheimer's and dementia, where they go in there, they get to wear their plain clothes. They um, mm-hmm. have tasks that they get to do and partake in to keep the brain stimulated. The um, healthcare providers out of there are also in plain clothes. They're working together and constructively on ensuring that each individual 
it, that's part of this home has their own function within that micro society, um, really getting to do things that provided some joy for them in the past um, and having that stimulation instead of being, this is a home that I'm in, this is my bed, these are the drugs and this is the schedule. Um, understanding different methods of care, um, providing that level of respect to these individuals um, and treating them in this humane way, I think is a, a really cool way to move forward um, instead of uh, as sort of a happy medium between, yes, we have overburdened long-term care homes. Yes, we need to support caregivers. Is there an in-between that's successful? And imploring this model, I think, is a way. Thanks for sharing those you know, innovations on um, how memory care homes can be- better meet the needs of um, patients experiencing memory impairments and, um, you know, people experiencing dementia. But I wanted to, um, get your perspective as someone in the field, both, um, you and Praja. Um, what are some of those, um, current gaps that we're having in terms of leveraging technology, uh, specifically for those people living with dementia and their caregivers as well? What I'll say when it comes to technology, technology is a beautiful thing. I think it's able to improve quality of life. It it does um, provide resources in, in instance, and it does um, provide a lot of benefit to numerous people. But I think technological design is something that's been so hyper-focused on the young, each progressively younger generation, uh, making things mm-hmm. even cooler to use, making things even snappier, and getting things done in a faster way, providing as much information as possible, um, and having a clean, minimalistic, almost sleek design to most things um, is something that's continuously happening with tech design. I think also the testing and building of applications happen to very homogenous populations, um, and I think the people who are seeing and interacting with tech, it's a, it's a cycle. Um, and I think that's an issue when it comes to um, providing services through technology for caregivers, for those in the elderly population as well, because uh, areas that are lacking are user interface, accessibility of colors, and then easy to use design Mm -hmm. that's functional, uh, but not overbearing. And I think that's uh, an area of design that has yet to be really focused on when it comes to applications and leveraging tech to support a community. Um, I uh, of course, we need to be consistently updated with all applications in this space, especially the caregiver um, task management side. And increasingly, you mm-hmm. see some applications that are fantastic for a younger population that will provide as much data as possible that you'd ever need. Dashboard upon dashboard, um, building this really secure EHR network, uh, connecting to physicians and all sorts of things, everything that you need. Um, and it's just a feature overload for uh, an individual mm-hmm. that just needs to know, did I feed my dad today? Is that it? Mm-hmm. Um, or for the individual that maybe has early cognitive impairment that uh, would maybe just like to see a photo of their loved one without having to mm-hmm. go through numerous steps in an application or perhaps just being able to call someone by saying their name instead of having to mm-hmm. type in a number. There are very simple core functionalities of tech that we could have done years and years ago. Um, but as we continuously hyper-develop in terms of a younger population, and these age-old solutions that are very beneficial um, haven't really been explored in a way that's scalable for these communities. So I think that's very core to our design. And I think for any company that does want to be successful in this state, uh, sorry, in this space, you really have to start with the end user when it comes to design. What's the core function that they need and how best can they interact with tech? And then what do we use resources-wise to get them there? Awesome. I think even in the white paper, I think it was mentioned that there were more than 200,000 different mobile health mm-hmm. uh tech-related apps on the market, but then there's very little focus kind of on the the specific needs on the caregiver side. So I guess that would also, in addition to 
the simplistic user interface that you know that meets the needs of the target audience there's also like in terms of quantity there's not very many of them out there in the first place so in terms of uh, memories um, specifically um, maybe just introduce I know you you met you um, of course you're you're the founder but tell us a little bit more about memories and what specific goals you hope to achieve um, with this application absolutely sure um so I think memories right now and what we initially started to do was to provide transparency for families experiencing dementia. That's core of what mm-hmm. it is that we're doing. And we're doing that through activity tracking, event reminders, and through uh, reporting so that the family caregivers are understanding of what's happening with their loved ones. They're able to send reminders forward. We're able to understand task completion if the loved one is interacting with memories. And then we provide mood support through our conversational chatbot Iris, because as we did mention, um, outside of the cognitive impairment aspect, there is an apathy and a depression component of um, Mm -hmm. Alzheimer's and dementia that we would like to provide some support to. Um, As such, we also believe that using a chatbot is the easiest interface for a taxed population to be able to interact with tech. So that's something that we're really focusing on through our chatbot Iris. Um, And through caregiver interviews, we've been able to realize that, and this actually spurred a new version of our application, which we're currently testing called the Caregiver companion is that um supporting caregivers through something like a chatbot just to remind them to to that to complete their tasks um when it comes to taking care of their loved one checking in on their own mental health and ensuring that self-care is part of their routine for them is something that we're testing but that's very much the micro focus of what memories is doing i think macro wise and in terms of long-term success of this company and not even success i would say uh support for a population that needs support is um based on two things one it's understanding that memories is actually building a platform um outside of a a tech company where we're really trying to unite caregivers be that resource as Praja mentioned where as soon as you do um become a caregiver in this journey you can turn to us not for tech but to hear from other caregivers to to have the support um to have accessible information and to realize that you're uh, a part of i would say a large group of people who are in a similar position that there's numerous nonprofits out there to support you um that there's other organizations out there where you can get aid that's what we would love to do with our social media and our platform and then in terms of where we would like to take the product there's two directions one is as much support for caregivers as possible um leveraging uh, other apis and integrations with applications to provide data tracking um for folks whether their loved one is wearing let's say a gait monitor or any sort of fitness or health tracking or a fall detector being able to have that information streamed directly to memories um and the caregiver being aware at all times is fantastic and it's key to our scalability and i think how we would like to leverage chat in the future is a little different than the traditional approach right now so most applications uh, are really moving towards as i mentioned earlier the electronic health record side of things um, as well as incorporating physicians and other care providers into the equation. I think that's fantastic, um, but I think that's just not an area of focus for us. What we would love to do is become as personalized as possible with the conversations that we have, where mm-hmm. if, let's say, my grandfather is using memories application, he's talking to Iris, and he re- and Iris realizes that, okay, my grandfather's happy when he's talking about, uh, let's say, playing bingo, and he gets distressed when we're talking about grocery shopping understanding that very personal interaction. And then when we identify that my grandfather's feeling distressed, talking about bingo more, being proactive and providing mental health support through conversation is something that's very core to us. And by using a chat system, we have the opportunity to move into the internet of things atmosphere by placing an individual at the center of their own care and interacting with memories. All these things are core to where we're going to go in the future. To piggyback 
for lack of a better term, on that. Mm -hmm. um, so the non-application sites, I just wanted to um, expand on what we're doing outside of the cre creation of the application. So in terms of the caregivers, we started an initiative called Caregiver Spotlight. So this is where all those interviews come into play, where we're trying to gather as much insider information essentially into the actual experiences the struggles um what they do to help them what worked for them what didn't work for them and essentially create these episodes that we're kind of uh we're going to call caregiver insight and kind of be as Rashawn said um a guy like a guide or a support system where they can come to us to get this kind of information and to know that this information came from other caregivers like them and so we're trying to fill that gap in in terms of the knowledge as well as be a platform for caregivers to share their experiences and provide insight into these various aspects of caregiving that is right now at least um, there's just not enough information on. Okay, um, so thank you Praja and Rashawn uh, from Memories for this captivating discussion on the significance of dementia, but we would like to give you an uh, opportunity to share any last words you may have on dementia and memories for our audience in terms of how to learn more about the app, etc. So the floor is yours. Sure, um, I'll, I'll use this as a little bit of a pitch and a little bit of a personal statement. Um, I would say we are actively beta testing our application. Um, feel free to follow us on social media. Everything is either memories with the Z or at our memories with the Z as well. Um, sign up for our beta test to help us build a caregiver application for caregivers, whether you yourself um, know somebody or have caregiver for somebody living with dementia or you have a family member that you think would need support. Please um, check out our website and provide us as much back as possible as we aim to launch. Outside of that, um, I think everybody who's listening and anybody who is intrigued by this space, do your best to connect with people who you think are caregivers and that could need support. Um, it's an incredibly taxing journey and something as sweet as a, hey, how are you doing? I'm free for a phone call at any time. Messages like that, being a resource for people. You have no idea at any point the sort of burden that people are facing um, and people need people at all times. So I think be proactive in providing care to your community. I've been, uh, hopefully we've been able to um, instill a level of respect and humility for these caregivers that are really going um, above and beyond for care. And um, hopefully this is um, sort of instilled a passion in the dementia space for you, whether you're a researcher or somebody who's interested in tech, public health enthusiast, um, there's ways to support this community through memories, sure, other ways as well. There's numerous wonderful organizations that are doing great things. Um, and I think it's a real responsibility for uh, global responsibility for people to support um, dementia care. Yeah, thanks for that. How about you, Praja? Any last words? I just want to say thank you. Um, this has been such an amazing experience. It's my first time on a podcast and I appreciate everything that you guys are doing in terms of creating awareness as well as um, allowing people who are not in the field to understand. So with uh, understanding lay terms, essentially all of these issues that are um, experienced by people just in the general public. So I'm very grateful to be a part of this and I'm super excited to actually listen to myself talk in this episode. <laughs> yeah, thank you for coming on. It was great having you all. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our content and would like to stay up to date, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. To learn more about our community initiatives and how you can support us, visit our website at thepublichealthinsight.com. Join the PHI community and let's make public health viral.